Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Jamie. And I'm Ed. All right. Three of us convening for our end of season podcast. Uh, it's a little bit delayed uh, being away with work and half term and illnesses and all this kind of thing. But yeah, we are here recording on the Sunday night. Uh, in fact, yeah, the day Wales have made it to the World Cup. Uh, I know yeah. a bit sad for you, Jamie, that Scotland didn't make it. But yeah, uh, yeah Wales have better, done it over like, Ukraine today. Yeah, no. I'm not better at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I know most of the world probably wanting Ukraine to win, but yeah, I was wanting the British teams to go through. So yeah, well done to Wales there. Uh, but yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, Craig, our Welshman, will be where he first time they're in in my lifetime, probably most people's lifetimes anyway. Like sixty-four years or something. Yeah, fifty-eight it was. Yeah, uh, under Jamie Murphy as well. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He was the manager back then. Uh, but yeah, on this podcast, we will cover the last day of the season, even though, yeah, we kind of it was forgettable for United, but I actually still enjoyed it because uh, the more important thing was seeing Liverpool fans cry there. But yeah, we will be covering that, talking about the managerial situation, Ralph Ranick. Uh, we've got Jamie on for some full-on transfer muppetry uh, to see what the rumours are <laughs> and out there. And then, yeah, various other news out there in and outs already several players confirmed as going most of them we knew anyway still looking at who might come in and then yeah, a few other things to round off player of the season goal of the season things like that you know obviously a horrible season but yeah these awards have still had to be given out even though yeah they cancelled the end of season awards uh, that kind of the ceremony and all that I think was a good call um, but yeah they still do have to give these awards out to somebody for the history books I guess but look, yeah, look, let's start with the last day of the season. I mean, yeah, it was me and you, Ed, on the last pod. And, uh, you know, I said, do you think we'll win this game and get that Europa League place? <laughs> and you said, yeah, we will. Well, in the end, we did get the Europa League place, but not through anything of any use that our team did whatsoever. You know, went down 1-0 to Crystal Palace and just like an absolute horrific, horrific end to our season. I look, sorry, we had one win in six at the end of the season, which was against Brentford and they basically didn't turn up that day. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it really couldn't have been much worse. But somehow we sneaked into the sixth place, go to the Europa League, avoid the embarrassment of Europa Conference. But, yeah, as I said, it wasn't due to anything our players managed to pull out. And, in fact, I guess the thanks go to Brighton. Uh, <laughs> Uh, who managed to do West Ham. But uh, look, for me, and I'm sure all of us, the big thing of that last day of the season was City stopping Liverpool and any talk of kind of quadruples. I know, Jamie, that I think you and normally Imran are the more kind of, uh, not negative, but, you know, the more kind of worried, always uh, expecting the worst in our kind of podcast group. And I know you both were very, very worried about the kind of quadruple possibilities and all that kind of thing. Ed, I know you're at the other end and you're like, don't yeah. worry, City yeah, are going to do fine. this. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah. But a 2 0 down, it <laughs> oh, was yeah. looking like an awful, awful. I mean, at half time, it just looked like the worst case scenarios were all coming to play. City were losing, we were losing, West Ham were winning. Liverpool <laughs> weren't winning at that point, but you kind of thought, look, they're obviously going to score at some point. Yeah. So it really looked like it was going to be a horrific, horrific day. But yeah, by full time, it was like the complete turnaround. And like, yeah, it all went for us, really, by the end. I mean, Jamie, at 2 0 down, you must have been like, oh my God, I told you this was going to happen 
Well, it was more like just from watching the last couple of weeks of the season, you just thought the momentum is just with Liverpool here. It just was like almost an unstoppable tide was coming. So you were just thinking like City just looked the last couple of games that they were a bit leggy, that they were running out of steam and De Bruyne was excellent towards the end of the season but he was about it. Like some of their other players that that stepped up all season were starting to look a bit tired and a bit jaded and when the first went in you were like alright plenty of time to come back when that second went in and <laughs> as well Watkins missed a massive chance just before it that would have put them 2-0 up and that could have been the third just with like 20 minutes left and you were just you just knew Liverpool would end up winning that was the other thing the minute the second went in it was still drawn at Anfield but you just knew when that news filters through Anfield, there will be a goal. They will definitely end up winning. Well, that there game. was there was some great <laughs> scenes from Anfield where they all thought that uh, <laughs> City had gone back down and they had gone up. And yeah, look, you know, it is sad times. We have to say that this is all really we have to be positive and happy about is laughing at the Scousers. But yeah, look, we'll take it compared to what could have been the oh. worst case scenarios of uh, whether it was you know trebles or quadruples or whatever and uh, yeah look you know our 99 treble is still intact they've not got anywhere near it in the end they've gone out with just two domestic cops and nil nil and penalty shoot out both times as well uh, you know they had their open top bus parade for that that was a <laughs> bit of a joke to see um, yeah. but yeah as you said it could have all been so much worse so in the end the relief to see them mess up there the relief as well Champions League final as well uh, which was you know a crazy to watch crazy to watch but yeah it was all one-way traffic but Madrid took it you know Don Carlo did his job uh, for those Everton fans and United fans out there everywhere and yeah took that trophy for them I mean yeah I'm no fan of Real Madrid and under normal circumstances I would not want to see them winning another Champions League but obviously in this scenario uh, it was all about Real Madrid and yeah I was so glad glad to see that happen uh, but yeah look let we 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 I don't want to talk much about that Palace game. The only things I wanted to kind of just note on was that Hannibal Medbury did start a game for us over there in the league. Uh, we did see Garnacho and Shoretire come on for a few minutes. So, yeah, that for me was the only real kind of slight thing of note there, seeing some of these young lads... Um, I don't know how much either of you even got to watch that match. I mean, I, to be honest, did end up watching more of the kind of City, kind of Liverpool game going on over there rather than watching our game. I, I watched all of the Palace game, but I remember none of the Palace game. So. <laughs> <laughs> Says it all. Yeah, as I said, look, Hannibal got a run out that was nice to see. Uh, he, he, he's got quite a few skills he has, but I think that he's a player who needs a loan. I don't yeah. think he is ready to come straight back in. But yeah. we are going to have a lot of squad places. That, you know, there's a lot of players going out. So, yeah, maybe somebody like that will get more of a shot than maybe earlier than he's probably actually ready for. Uh, but, yeah, he, look, he is involved there. And he's still actually on international duty for Tunisia. I saw he's on the bench today, in fact. Just keeping an eye there. Garnacho is the one we talked about a lot on the last podcast. Yeah. He, of course, had won the uh, Young Player of the Year. And, yeah, he's got a lot for great things. Again, whether he is ready for that step up straight to the first team or whether he needs a loan in the middle. Let's see. All this stuff is up to Eric Ten Hag to decide now. Well, apparently uh, he scored a worldie. Uh, in his in his most recent game for Argentina, but not not the full national team, wasn't it? Under twenty threes or something, he's playing for at the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think he did get called up to the full squad a while ago, but then yeah, he's been shifted down a little bit to the youth teams over there. Uh, you know, he is still in theory eligible to play for Spain, so I think they're trying to give him some minutes somewhere so that he's pledged his allegiance there. Uh, you know, also on the bench that day, just to give a shout out to, was Alvaro Fernandez, who won our reserve player of the year. Uh, he's a left back as well 19 years old uh, came from Spain so he's one as well who could have a shout out for coming into the first team squad even though without see us needing to get rid of maybe Tellez we've even got Brandon Williams kicking around who's looking to see his future sorted out but as I say yeah a look to the youth is the only way we can be positive about anything here you know we talked a lot on the last podcast about our youth cup win and that yeah there is some good players coming through there but yeah I'm not sure how many of them are ready for that straight step up for the first team so yeah we'll see how that all 
ones out over there. Um, but yeah, look, the big other news since last time has been that Ralph Ranić has officially said that he is not going to be like taking up this kind of consultancy role. I mean, I did talk about this on the last podcast, right, Ed, when we were talking about him saying I would not be surprised at all as if, if exactly this happened. Yeah. I mean, you could see like from the things he was saying, not being that positive that the club were not going to be happy, you know, the board and the Glazers. And he's obviously getting paid loads by Austria, doesn't need the money. Uh, and yeah, somewhere along the way, it's not that clear who exactly has made this decision, whether it comes from Ralph's side, whether it comes from our side. I do think it has actually more come from the club, to be honest. Uh, yeah, 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 I, I, I think so. I, I think, I mean, well, I think he'd be happy to stay here. I think that he sort of got the Austria job and didn't fancy it so much. Didn't fancy yeah, the he was probably not bothered either that way. Yeah, you know, I'm sure he would have been happy for his whatever it was, one day a week to take some extra money on the mm. side. But it was kind of weird, like a bit of a conflict there where he's doing that job there. What's How does it work one day a week or whatever for him to uh, give his input? And I'm sure the club probably think that, you know, in the six months or so he's been around, he's probably given a lot of advice, given his views on what's going on in the club already. And, you know, well, probably some things have been acted on, I guess, and maybe they thought, look, that's it. We've, take, we've heard from what you have to say. So, yeah, thanks for that. See you later. I just don't get it from a club perspective when, like, everything out of the press suggests that uh, Murta thinks that Rangnick's input's been really invaluable and... For his role to apparently be watered down and then to the point where he either doesn't want it or the club had decided he's no longer of use, it just doesn't really make sense as a ongoing strategy. But well, maybe that's maybe they're giving Ten Hag more and Parent Ten Hag a bit more, who knows? Yeah, I kind of read in between the lines and it's just what I think. I think that maybe it has more come from actually Eric Ten Hag. Uh, Do you I mean, think? Yeah, Yeah, Ranić said we'll speak at the end of the season and it's been official that they did have some kind of two-hour conversation or something like that. And it was after that that then this announcement was made that he will not be continuing in that role. So I read in between that Eric kind of thought, listen, what do I need somebody for who's just going to be around one day a week or something like that? You know, it's either full-time or nothing. What is, you know... And as you say, it was somebody who was more like John Mortor's kind of side. Uh... And I don't know if you saw that news that the club have now appointed a new deputy director of football to uh, work under yeah. Murtaugh. So probably he's thought, look, why do we need this extra kind of guy around himself? Uh, but yeah, Andy O'Boyle, who comes in, he was head of elite performance at the Premier League, uh, has now taken up that role and will work very closely with Murtaugh. Uh, you know, there'd been a few kind of stories out there that Murtaugh was spreading himself a bit too thinly around the club, had so much to do, so many roles, because, uh, you know, quite a few of our coaches have left and some other staff so I'm sure we'll see some other kind of support staff and all that be coming in this summer there'll be a bit of reorganisation I mean uh, it was confirmed that we knew already that Ten Hag was bringing in the two McLaren and his old assistant from Ajax so they've come in already but yeah I think we'll see a couple of other names come in and especially because I know uh, we had Natalie on a few weeks ago talking Mm -hmm. about the women's side and I know the followers of the women's team are desperate for them to have like a specific uh, director of football or somebody who's just dealing with the women's side because at the moment Myrtle's doing everything the men's the women's recruitment the lot and it's just gonna guess too much for him uh, so yeah he's now got Andy O'Boyle coming in who was actually worked for United years ago he was part of our academy coaching setup 16 years back and then has been out and around worked in a few other clubs but had worked his way up to working for the Premier League and now is coming back to the club uh, so yeah an extra name in there so yeah there is the real and as, as I said I'm sure we will still see some other it's kind just, of names come in what, what is good though it's just when we were coming into this summer and Ten Hag got the job and I'm a bit disappointed that Rangnick's not going to stick around purely because that is his experience, is building clubs up. And okay, he's not had it, say, it's such a high-profile club as Man United, but he's still done it repeatedly in the past. But I was actually more relieved to see that the deputy director of football position was sorted because Murta, in my opinion, even just from what he's done so far, has made all the right moves. And he can only keep doing the right things from here on in. So we know that he is doing the right thing for the club. But what he's done so far is good. 
He did seem like he was spreading himself about thin, and from the news of the new deputy director getting the job, it means he can now tackle the more day-to-day stuff to leave Murta free to tackle things like recruitment, working closely with the manager, trying to implement not just a style of play, but a culture through the club, which they've not really had because that, that position just hasn't been there. So already, just getting into June, seeing that there is a massive redevelopment and restructuring around the club, especially in the football operations side, is it's quite good. And it's off to a good start anyway. So hopefully the summer goes well in terms of recruitment as well. But just to see that the other stuff behind the scenes, which we've all lamented for so long, not being good enough, not being world-class, to see it's actually starting to get a bit of structure is quite good. Yeah, there is definitely some big gaps there. You know, we know a lot of scouts have left. That was actually the bit that I was most hopeful for in Ralph maybe giving some input was more the scouting and recruitment side of things. You know, we know our head scout and a couple of others from the kind of recruitment team have gone. And I thought that was where Ranjit could do his best because we know he's got such a great record. Uh, you know, we always say that six, what is it, six or seven players that Klopp have bought were all kind of Ranjit players at various clubs. And there's several others as well that have gone on from kind of Ranjit teams to much bigger things. And that's what I was kind of interested in, seeing who he might pick out personally or who who he might recommend to come in on the scouting side. Whether, you know, he'll still talk to Murtor on the side, whether they have a good relationship, is still possible. You know, unofficially, he might still tap him up and say, you know, what do you reckon about this? Who knows? But yeah, officially, he is no longer part of the club and has finished and... You know, you'd have to say ultimately then, yeah, his kind of six month interim period has been a failure. You know, on the results side, as we said, one win in six towards the end of the season was awful. Uh, you know, it was interesting to see some of the things he said. His honesty was nice. He was he kind of talked about how he thought the players semi switched off towards the end of the year. He, you know, he kept talking about how after we went out off the Champions League to Atletico Madrid that. He said he even saw in training that players were not putting in the same intensity, which is it's a shame to say hear that though. You know there was still a top four to fight for. Yeah. Uh, you know it wasn't gone till very late in the season, and just seemed yeah our players were not up for it, whether mentally, physically, or whatever. Then you know that is the saddest bit to see. Uh, well, and that's that's a problem really because you're at Man United. He should be wanting to win every game because that's what you do. You know. The idea is you're going to win every every game, and it's upsetting if you don't. Or is it? Do you remember when, like a few years ago, when a draw was upsetting? Yeah, <laughs> a, a draw was essentially like where's that mentality gone? That you know that's the mentality we need. So for them, it's really disappointing to hear that. No, exactly. That is the most disappointing thing. And uh, and I, do, I did notice, actually, I kept an eye and saw that Ralph Ranić had a really good start as Austria boss. Got yeah, a 3-0 yeah. win against Croatia away, which is a pretty great result yeah. for Austria. Uh, so, yeah, he's already seems to have made an impact there, which he couldn't obviously make at our place. Well, uh, so, yeah, we'll see how he rolls. That's uh, where I, that's, that's I honestly think, though, he was on a bit of a hiding to nothing because, yeah, it was... A failure in the sense that the results were terrible. We've not uh, decided to go forward with the consultancy role. He's now no longer officially in any capacity at the club. So yeah, it can't can't really be classed as anything else other than a failure. But at the same time, man, like if players are just phoning it in and training and not really trying, and he's the interim manager and he's trying to change things. All right, the one criticism and from me is. He should have brought more of the youth players in earlier. Maybe not to start games, but certainly just bring them around to try and just emphasise to the other players that he's not going to stick up for them just doing whatever they want. But it's difficult, that, because you don't want to expose young players to a dressing room, which clearly isn't clicking and nothing's going right. So I could see that, that's as I said, he was on a bit of a hiding to nothing, that no matter what he did, it was difficult to do anything. And especially the fact that he's an interim manager. So I can imagine half the guys who had bad attitudes supposedly in the changing room didn't really care about what he was saying. What Weren't interested in listening to him. Weren't interested in seriously putting the hard graft in. And I mean, I've seen people saying, oh yeah, he, would, he can say that because it's training and we don't see that. We don't see that in training, but we see it in games. Mm. How many times did like would we be going down a goal 
and the and the attitude was all uh, arms in the air, blaming everybody else, nobody taking any accountability, nothing. And so everything he was saying in press conferences, I just agreed with him because I could literally see it happening on the pitch. And it's so it's as Ed says, it's just it's disappointing for a Man United dressing room to get to that state that players just aren't aren't pulling their weight and aren't trying when they're yeah. going gets tough. Uh, even Fred said he found it difficult and he actually tried. So yeah. imagine someone who wasn't asked and yeah. Just... Well, that's it. Look, we just hope now, new manager, a fresh start. That was the thing, that the players had the excuse that they knew Ranić was only around for a few months. So they knew that they didn't need to buy into his ideas. They didn't need to listen to what he was doing because they knew that he was leaving in the summer anyway. Whereas they are not going to be able to do that with Eric Ten Hag. They're going to either have to get on board or get out. And, you know, we're obviously already seeing uh, five confirmations of players we knew who were leaving anyway. Pogba, Lingard, Mata, Cavani, Matic are all confirmed out of the club. And that's part of the problem as well. There was too many players involved yeah. in this squad who everybody knew were leaving at the end. So, yeah. you know, they're not committed to the cause. And that, you know, as I said, Ralph had to deal with this. And, you know, kudos, like I say, we talked about going back to Ole. He did keep this group together as one. And when it fell apart, it fell apart badly. But, yeah, last season they were all still fighting. You know, we often went down and came back. But, yeah, we didn't see any of that, any of that at all towards the end of this. And as I say, those five are confirmed as going. There's surely going to be some other outs. I mean, there's a whole list where you wouldn't be surprised if any of them left by uh, Tuanzebi, Pereira, Martial, Henderson. Uh, you know, we, these are the ones who are all still up in the air. So we have to see how many of these stay, how many of these go. Uh, I do think more will end up staying than a lot of fans expect. You know, yeah. I've seen player fans putting out lists on Twitter of these 15 players need to go. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we're not going to have anybody it's, left. You, in this. You, just, you just can't do that, man. You just yeah. you can't get yeah. rid of it. you cannot get rid of that many. You just you, you can't. But what is damning is we could easily let those fifteen go. Yeah, you like, wouldn't you wouldn't yeah. miss like any any one of those really. I mean, uh, oh yeah, of the ones going out. I mean, Henderson. I'm a little bit saddened by. I don't blame anybody in the club for how his season has gone. It's been an absolute waste of a season for him, but. It was just unlucky. He got COVID at the worst time. I think he would have started last season as our number one if he hadn't. But that's the way it went. He got COVID. He was out for the first couple of months. De Gea came in, did very well. Uh, You know, there is still a discussion out there about whether De Gea's kind of all-round game is part of the problem. But on the safe side, nobody could argue with it. And he's actually been voted our Players' Player of the Year. So he's obviously got a lot of support from within the camp there. But yeah, I do know that there's still a lot of discussions out there. I don't know what you two think about that, saying that, you know, De Gea is part of the problem with his distribution, with his commanding of the box. We know that he's a great shot stopper and he's shown it again and again this season. But I don't know. Yeah, what do you think about that, Ed? Uh, Yeah, I... I think it perhaps is. I mean, I read Peter Schmeichel's uh, autobiography not too long ago and he was talking about David De Gea and his own style of goalkeeping and he, he was saying that you've got, there's sort of two types of goalkeepers where you've got a reactive goalkeeper and you've got a goalkeeper who plays on the front foot who's always sort of towards the edge of the box, outside of the box, ready to push the team on and create an attack. And De Gea's very much the reactive type. And, you know, well... He'll get he'll get you to first in the league. He'll 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 get you a cup. He perhaps isn't the most consistent keeper to have to um, get a consistent style of play that that this consistent style of play that we need to to be a dominant side. Yeah, I think it's incredibly damning that in three keepers he's not even making it in the Spain squad Uh, you know and Luis Enrique has been asked about this a few times and he's been pretty clear that he doesn't see him as the right style of goalie and he's talking a lot about his passing his distribution his build-up play and I have to say that I 
I actually do think there's a lot in this. Uh, you know, I think it is fair play that De Gea was given the shout for our player of the year. He made a lot of important saves. But I do also think that that was one of the major changes from last season where Henderson played kind of as number one for a lot of the end of last year. And even though his distribution and all is maybe not that great and maybe he's not the answer, he is better than De Gea in a lot of ways. Definitely in terms of organising the defence and of being vocal in claiming and coming out for crosses and controlling the box Henderson is definitely better in all those things I mean he's being linked now with quite a big move out to Newcastle or something like that I wouldn't be surprised if he left he knows the World Cup is coming up he knows he needs to play every week unless he's given assurances of starting the season as number one then I'm sure he's going to be off Uh, but yeah like I say this is all up to Ten Hag now those are his decisions and um, otherwise he's going to have to bring another keeper in I would say there just on that Henderson thing. I'm not in the same camp as you guys. Like, I do think there is issues with the hair, but I would prefer the hair and go to Henderson. And I do think just out of necessity more than anything, just because of how many other parts of the team need looked at: midfield, defence, potentially right back, another striker. There's just so much stuff that needs to happen with the team. I just, I, I think we can cope with it for a year. But if if Henderson was to go. For forty million, that's just obviously what we the rumor is. But if he was to go for forty million, I would be tempted then to go. And yeah, get I mean, him. I'd oh, be pretty exactly. shocked actually if we yeah. got forty million for yeah. it. To be honest, but, but, but I would be t- if that was the figure and it happened, I would be very tempted then. Right, go oh, and yeah. get a goalie. Don't, don't 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 use that forty million for anything else. Go and get another goalie that you actually want to start building a team around because. De Gea is good at short stop, he's great at it, he's great at reactionary stuff, as Ed says, but if you're wanting to start building a team and you're wanting to start building the core of a team to try and get us back to where we feel like we should be, and Henderson is going to help with that with regards to his outgoing, then yeah, take that 40 million and go and get another goalie that actually matches the style of play that you want to play. Hey, 40 I mean, million, I would absolutely take it as well. Like I said, yeah. I'd, I'd be surprised if we're getting offered more than 25, maybe 30. I mean, he has been in the England squad. He is a player on a big contract. Uh, he's, you know, we gave him a lot of money to stay with us. And I think Ole's plan was that he was going to be our number one. But, for yeah. you know, it didn't happen. It hasn't gone that way. And, yeah, we are where we are. But, yeah, he will not stick around. He thinks he should be good enough to be playing for England going to the I World Cup. Yeah, so he will not stick around unless he's given some kind of assurances of well, being in there. So, yeah, we'll see where that goes. He is good enough. He's, pr- he's already proven for two seasons that he's good enough to be a Premier League goalie. He yeah, yeah Sheffield, I, look, I agree he? with that. Uh, I mean, I would still say as well, I'm not sure whether he is the ultimate answer, but I just think it's a shame that, you know, he was an academy player. We spent a lot of time building him. He had great loans. And then in the end, it's not worked out due to COVID, basically. Yeah. Uh, but you also, you can't blame anyone for it. You know, De Gea no. couldn't be dropped. There wasn't any point no, in the season yeah. where you said, listen, De Gea needs to come out and Henderson needs to be given a go. So it's just the way it rolls, uh, you know. I think Sometimes. if Puff got, for me, if Puff got, push came to serve, six of one, half a dozen of the other, they... You'll get the same amount of goals conceded from either. It's just different ways they'll be conceded, I think. I think they're at a level, on a par, really. It's just the style of plays. Yeah, and then that's it. And then the only thing for me is that obviously De Gea is not the future. He's like, you know, towards the end of his career. Whereas obviously I'd prefer somebody who might have the potential, but it's it's also not the best like distributor or anything like that at all. So yeah, maybe not. Apart Uh, from that West Ham goal. <laughs> yeah, that was the one that went out, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. 
or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. But yeah, look, Jamie, when we're talking about transfers, then I know it's your specialist subject, not mine at all. As I say on this podcast all the time, I take absolute zero note of all the kind of transfer rumours. I don't believe like any of it. Uh, We're linked with new players on every daily basis, about five, and most of it is absolute nonsense. You know, I kind of trust like the manager and whatever can pick his players whoever he wants I'm happy with that but listen why don't you give us a rundown of kind of you know where we're at with the serious kind of transfer rumours right well to quote my hero Romano here we go (laughs) Um, may as well start with the obvious one right because this is the one that there's a lot of traction around and yeah I know you Nick don't like to hear it unless it's BBC verified but I will say so, on the last podcast, I did actually mention Frankie de Jong myself, yeah, just because I mean, there is, is serious traction. Yeah, There's quite he, clearly some serious interest there. He's, uh, he's, he's where we'll start, because I don't buy in it. I've read it loads of times on the forum, like comparing this situation to Di Maria, because Di Maria didn't want to come. I'm not entirely sure it's, it's even the same sort of situation. I mean, it's fair enough, he's at... Barcelona, that's where he wanted to go years ago when he left Ajax. Doesn't want to leave, fine. But then, I kind of even thought a few weeks ago, the way Barcelona were kind of putting stuff out in the press saying, you know, they seriously need money. We've seen this week, they're now starting to host weddings and personalised games of football at the new camp (laughs) because they're desperate to get money in. So... If all of that stuff's happening and there's just constant headlines coming out about Barcelona saying before they can even start to look at signing anybody this year, they have to start selling players. That's that's non-negotiable. It has to start happening. The most marketable player they can sell is De Jong. And if you were looking at our team, the two gaps, in my opinion, that just have not been filled for years... Central midfield, as in an all-round central midfielder. And I love Matic, but you couldn't get that many games out of him in defensive midfield. De Jong would absolutely take care of that first part. A certain midfielder who, I hate the buzzword, but press-resistant, as people like to say, like doesn't get flustered by the high press, can take the ball in the half-ton, can feed it, get it back, can... Orchestrate attacks from deep by taking the ball off the defensive midfielder or the centre halves or the wing backs, drive the team forward. He's played under Ten Hag. He knows the Ajax system. He knows the way that Ten Hag will want to play. He seems desperate to get him. Every headline that's put out and every rumour that's put out is Ten Hag who specifically is driving this because that's who he wants there. And over the last forty-eight hours just with things he said to the Dutch camp, things that he said after the Dutch game the other night, I think it's inevitable, this one. And I wouldn't be surprised if this one does happen in the next fortnight. Maybe not sign, seal, deliver, but I I wouldn't be surprised if in the next fortnight a headline breaks and says, yeah, we've, we've agreed the deal, that's it. And it'll be sorted after the Nations League. Are you, are you setting yourself up for a fall here, Jamie? You're sold <laughs> on this I'll one already, right? I will give my stall out. Do you remember when Colm said uh, Sancho was inevitable? Well, not he didn't. Those weren't his exact words, but he said uh, we were going to sign Sancho the other year. Then we yeah, signed yeah, him the year yeah. after. <laughs> I mean, look. To be fair, look, it's pretty obvious we are interested because yeah. of his link to Eric Ten Hag. I think he's looking at what the deal is. We're obviously not in the best place. We're not in the Champions League, blah, blah, blah. He's obviously a massive club already. It's not like he needs that big move or anything. But yeah, there does seem to be potential there. We'll see what happens. You know, it's in the works. Uh, I mean, there's always an element of not wanting to piss your own fans off as well. Exactly, yeah. You want to be diplomatic as much as you can be. So, all right then, who's next on the list, Jamie? The next one's... (sighs) It's a struggle because we're still at right at the start of the window. But the one, that, the other player that I would say that he, there's just been non-stop kind of chatter about since the start is Timber from Ajax, Julian Timber. And 
I caught a little bit of Ajax this year and couldn't help but be impressed by this guy. A really young player. He was actually selected by Ten Hag as their young player of the season. Centre half, right back. He's. I just think he looks excellent. And while it might be a step up in the sense that yes, he's played for Ajax, so going from a very, going from Ajax to Man United at a very young age is a step up. If he's going to do it under literally the guy who's gave him his chance and nurtured him from a young age, I would like to see him take that chance and you're always going to give young players a lot more time anyway, aren't you? Rather than just going and signing a big experienced player to come in for the money. If it's a young guy who's hungry that wants to move with the manager who's gave him his chance, I'd be prepared to give the guy plenty of time to settle in and let's see what happens. So he's the other one. The only I'm, I've kind of changed my mind on this one. I, I wasn't too sure if it would definitely can, can go I, through or not. Sorry, I don't you go away. Uh, Timber, is he is he is he one for the future at centre back or is he a right back replacement? I think do you he, reckon? I think probably centre half is his main position. But reading from what the Ajax fans have said on. Twitter and on the forum and things like that, he could easily play right back as well. Yeah, and it I've, just seems like that. a guy who yeah. can play across the across the two positions and yeah. not really be flustered with one or the other. And to be honest, we're talking about the amount of players going out of the club. So the one thing we, when it comes to signings and when it comes to the transfer window, we need depth because we seriously lack depth for the last 18 months and while we can point that we have players there yeah but there has been a noticeable drop in quality and the depth is available so even if if he was to come in and he wouldn't be commanding a starting position straight away he would still see plenty of game time and as I said he's a young guy he can cover several positions and it would be good to see how he develops Um, but as I said I'm not sure now because he has kind of highlighted that with Holland being at the World Cup, he wants to be playing regular game time, so I think we may just need to see on that one if we can convince him to come, because he is going to be looking at trying to play week in, week out in the lead-up to the World Cup, so that might be the sticking point that he can't be guaranteed a starting place every week. He's 22 though, isn't he? Yeah, so he's only young anyway, so... Plenty of time. Yeah. Yeah, that will be in a lot of players' minds this summer going in because you know it's weird that we've got a world cup in the winter because normally a world cup comes oh, in the summer crazy. and players come in after but yeah with the winter world cup all these players are going to be thinking about listen i want to be starting the season and you know playing regularly to have all every chance to go into that world cup in november so it does put a different slant on it than we've never really had before so yeah lots and lots of players of course will be looking at this world cup angle uh, and yeah i guess it's the same reason some of ours want to leave like you know the likes of lingard and whatever probably think he's got a shot of getting in the england squad if uh, he after wherever he makes up his move after that uh, i think it's kind of normal that we're getting linked to some ajax players you know that's where the man just coming from he's done well with those players we've obviously already got the one you know we've not mentioned much Donny van der Beek uh, but I think yeah we're all sure he will get another chance under the manager at least and see where he goes from there uh, weren't we, we linked to like half the Everton squad when Moyes came <laughs> yeah and ended up with Fellaini <laughs> yeah. yeah right yeah. I mean it is a shame yeah. we didn't get Leighton Beans back in the day that would have been yeah. a good sign yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the. I mean, yeah, it's normal all the time. You know, Mourinho brought back Matic with him, uh, Van Hal as well, Depay and all these that he'd worked with. Uh, you know, Holland. There's always a few. You know, managers always want to bring in some guys they know who already know their system, already know their way of working, to try and help them settle and spread that message to others. So yeah, let's see. I'm sure he will be working on those. Uh, but what about some other names from outside of the Ajax lot? Well, the other one that's kind of doing the rounds again. I think this is more agent-driven, if I'm being honest, than any kind of serious chat at the moment, is Darwin Nunes from Benfica. And he's had an excellent season for them. And I saw him play a couple of times in the Champions League. Again, it's not much of a barometer to judge a player on, but he does look a very good, solid young player as well. And I know the Benfica fans think quite highly of him. And I've seen a few things about, you know... he could be hit and miss because he's coming from the Portuguese league. We don't know how how well he'll start and things like that. But again, 
he's a young player and he's not going to be playing every week because obviously we've got Ronaldo but if you can just split the game time considering how many games there's going to be anyway you can give him plenty of bedding in time and a striker is sorely needed I mean if Cavani's going obviously there's issues well yeah there's there's issues with Greenwood he's probably finished at the club as well and what you're looking at what Ronaldo Rashford if he can get anywhere near his form that he had before and that's about it uh, wasn't Nunes one of the ones that Rangnick suggested in January as well? Yes. Am I, yeah. Yeah. And the other one, just because Ed's just mentioned Rangnick, the other one that's kind of been mentioned a couple of times is Nkunku from uh, from Leipzig. And yes. I've actually managed to see him more than Nunes, and he's a player. He would be a very, very good signing as well. But I know that Chelsea are very, very <laughs> interested in him as well because it looks like Lukaku's trying to... Forces we back to enter. So who saw that coming? Oh, I know. But um, yeah, striker is definitely. Yeah. You know, we have to be bringing in a striker. I know, like I say, Greenwood's situation is still up in the air at the moment. We have to assume that he is not going to be coming back in to the team. And yeah, I'm sure the club are working on that assumption. And yeah, so it means striker is top, top, top of the list. Um, yeah. And, He's interesting, this uh, Nunez. I saw that he was actually a record buy in the Portuguese league when even Benfica bought him. Yeah. It wasn't, but you know, it's not huge money. I think they paid something like 25 million for him a couple of years ago, but that was a record in Portugal. And that was at 20 years of age. He's only 22 now. Uh, Uruguay international. I have actually seen a little bit of him because the couple of times, you know, I kept to sometimes keep an eye when the international week is on and there's nothing else going on. And uh, Facundo Palestri, of course, still manages to get games for Uruguay even though he never plays in La Liga. <laughs> uh, and again, he's selected for Uruguay, so they still see something in him. And uh, I've seen him playing a couple of times with Nunez, and he looks damn good, actually. Yeah. Again, you know, you're not sure about that step up from Portuguese league, but highly rated, but not going to come cheap. As I say, Benfica already paid a record fee for him. You know, so, you know, you're looking at 70, 80 million or something like that for somebody who's a young player coming from Portugal. It's difficult to be talking about that kind of figures. But, you know, these are the kind of areas we're obviously looking at. Midfield, striker, right back. They are the obvious, obvious kind of areas. Um, you know, the one everybody was talking about before, but there doesn't seem to have been much links in before, was Declan Rice, that everybody thinks is the kind of solution to all our midfield problems. And yeah, I, I really like him as a player, but I think, yeah, the big problem will be how much West Ham want for him, basically, right? Too much. Far yeah, too much. it would be... I don't even know. Because if Grealish, is, if Grealish has went for 100 million, say, last year, and he's got, what, at least two years left to run on his contract with West Ham at the moment, it would be... It would be... I don't even know. You'd be looking at 130, 140 million minimum just to, to even yeah. get them to the table to start discussing it, which, when you, when you need a summer like we're going to have with multiple positions addressed on a not a really limited budget but still a limited budget on what you can spend you just can't you can't go anywhere near rice if they're, if they're going to be demanding that amount of money you just, there's no point I think realistically you can probably get Declan Rice for 90 or 100 million even if West Ham might think they can ask whatever he's, he can't go for more than Jack Grealish uh I think you'd get him for 100 million, which is still a yeah. ridiculous amount of money. I, 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 the thing is, though, we're not just replacing our squad to uh, have new first. We, we're replacing depth yeah. as well. We need Correct. to have depth in the squad. It's not just a, a, a factor of having to buy you know three or four players, maybe five or six realistically, to have a squad. We need a, a squad with depth and quality as much as first team is coming in. I think so, the depth can be covered by a lot of the younger players. Um, you know, James Garner, of course, has had a brilliant end to the season. Notts yeah. Forest got promoted. Uh, he can definitely come in and fill a kind of subs bench. Whether he's ready yeah. to come and be playing every week in the Premier League, probably not. But he can definitely come and fill in over there. And in fact, I watched England under-21s the other day. He started for them and had a really good game for England under-21s as well. Uh, so, yeah, he can come in for sure. Um 
there's a few others around who can fill in squad places, no problem. You know, we had several who did semi-well in the championship, a couple of centre-backs and others over there. So if we need to be filling in, and you know, you even start seeing, and I'm sure this again is agent talk, but saying that, oh, Eric Ten Hag wants Andreas Pereira back in the squad, which <laughs> I can't yeah. possibly believe if he's ever watched him play for us at any point that he wants Andreas Pereira back. And I'm absolutely well, certain that these are agents at work over there putting out stories. But yeah, these players are still kicking around. They're still actually Manchester United players. Uh, he's actually playing right now as we speak uh, for Flamengo out there and plays every week for them. But see, at one point it looked like it was going, but I think they've not offered as much money as we want. Oh so yeah, God, he still is officially a Manchester United player. For God's sake, <laughs> just sell him. Well, well I, I was reading, I think it was the Mirror, reading an article where our scouts went out to look at but Brazilian players and they were watching... Uh, Flamengo games and they were really impressed by this one lad called Pereira and turns out it's Andres Pereira <laughs> as I say these are agents who obviously got great media links getting some great stories out there there is you know there's no way we need to be seeing Andres Pereira back at this club that is not going to be the way forward at all and then yeah there's others like that you know but this might be where yeah the money comes in for it to respend you know Anthony Martial you know you're talking about what striker options we have Jamie he is still officially a Manchester United player you forget about these guys you think they've gone already but they haven't they haven't they're still Manchester United players and they're on massive contracts that is the problem but he actually wants to leave now though Martial he does want to leave. He wants, again, regular game. And again, he'll be one who thinks he should be playing for France in the World Cup. Uh, so, yeah, again, he will be there. So, yeah, look, we'll see from there. He won't. He, I mean, he's another one that you're just like, do you know what? Just don't do this ridiculous thing of demanding X amount of money for him. Just make it known he's available this summer and just see what kind of offers come in. Because, as Ed says... He wants to leave. We clearly want rid of him. He's on massive wages. Get him off the wage bracket and go and get somebody who can easily fill the gap and be on even a fraction of the wages because the fact that he's getting paid, what? I don't know, 100, 100 grand a week, 120 odd grand a week for absolutely nothing is... Oh, it's obscene. It's absolutely obscene. That's and what he's played, playing as well. I mean, that is the one good thing. Like, the you know, oh, the yeah, five yeah. players who were confirmed as leaving, Pogba, Lingard, Mata, Cavani, Matic, would all have been on contracts at least 100 grand. Yeah. Probably, yeah, plus for Pogba and uh, Cavani, for sure. They're on way more than that. So there's a huge amount of wage bill available. Uh, and, yeah, I'm sure money will still be made available for transfer fees, but probably we need to be selling a couple to be getting some funds back in. So, yeah, we'll see where we go with that. But, yeah, these are, you know, going to be the stories that are going to go all through the summer uh, I mean is there a couple of other names you want to throw out before we finish off the transfer roundup? yeah there's only one that I would throw out that, and it's only because I'm not sure on the source because the mirror doesn't tend to be the most accurate source but Christian Eriksen has been linked with us quite heavily in the last couple of days and as Ed says we need depth and if that was a goer and you could even get him in I would be all over that I think that would be an excellent signing to provide yeah. some much needed depth in the team and I just hope again it's not just more kind of agent driven stuff to, to try and get more money at another club to try and go back to Spurs to try and get more money out of Brentford whatever it may be you actually are hoping with that one that if that's true that we are trying to we are trying to contact him about coming I think that would be an excellent signing. Well, I think, of course, you know, he's a free agent, so there's no transfer fee. I'm sure we'll be looking quite a bit in that free agent market. There's actually quite a few big players available this summer. I mean, you don't want to be bringing players in just because they're free, but because we need so many and we have massive, massive room, like I say, on the wage bill, but it's just going to be more issue on transfer fees, especially if we make a big signing, whether it's De Jong, uh, whether it's Nunez, you know, these players are going to be the best part of 100 mil. So they are not going to be able to get more than one or two of those in one summer so yeah I'm sure we are looking at that free agent list and there is plenty of big names even if you look at random ones I saw there's like Isco coming out of Real Madrid they're not going to be world beaters they're not going to be regulars but if you need somebody to come in with experience and fill benches there's players like that around well, uh, Dybala he, he, yeah. he almost joined us a few years ago didn't he yeah yeah these are the kind of players yeah. who are available on a free uh, I do think Dybala's just on Dybala I have seen that I think he's more or less joining Inter yeah a lot of like, these will yeah. be done He's, he's, 
which, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like when the ballad was kind of close. I thought that may be all right. The only thing with him is his injury record was rotten. Um, Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The only other player, and I'm going to throw his name in the ring, and no, there isn't any links. No. I don't think there will be. But a player that I just think would be an excellent signing again for depth is Calvin Bassey at Rangers. I would really, really like to see us go for him because he's a guy I don't think would demand playing time or anything like that. He would come in, he would be happy to move, it wouldn't be an over-the-top fee, it wouldn't be somebody taking up loads of money on the wage bill. He's a solid defender, he's very fast, strong, powerful, good goal threat from set pieces, he's got a great cross on him as well and I just think he's a guy that if we were looking at sign players for depth who aren't going to cost much money in the page of say 10, 20 million, I would be all over him because I don't know if you guys seen him. No. I did watch the, the Europa, Europa, I watched the Europa the League ones. final. He is fantastic. Yeah, he does, he looks like a good player. How old is he? Twenty. Two, All right, yeah, so I he's still on the he upside. Was actually yeah, at, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, he did. I did watch the Europa League final and I watched uh, Rangers' semi final as well. And he does look like a strong player. I didn't realise he was that young, actually. No, yeah, mate, you look that's, that's, that's a good one to throw out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 22 years of age. All right, so that's Jamie's tip. Jamie's tip there coming in, not yeah. based on any of the. And in fact, you know, Jamie, I, for me, that's as worth, worth as much as any of the nonsense <laughs> I'm going to read on Twitter or the mirror or whatever, yeah. So, yeah, for me, that's as solid as an option as any of these others because I don't believe like any of this rubbish that gets thrown about out there and you know just have to trust in the new team who come in and you know the one thing I do want to see is that there is a change in our strategy you know you kind of touched on it there but there's been too many times we've kept older players instead of just getting rid of them uh, so many times we could have got rid of players and it was quite clear that our old transfer team had a strategy that they thought it was worth keeping hold of players just for asset value. When you're better off just saying, listen, get out. Even if it's free, just get out. Get you off the wage bill and let's get somebody else in. There's too many times we've kept hold of players too long. Uh, you know, so we'll see where we go from there. And as I say, I gave out the list before. There's so many that you wouldn't miss, uh, whether it's, you know, by there's two on Zebbies, there's loads of these out there. So we'll see where we go with that. Uh, you know the things other things to round off before we kill off this is there's there is even though they cancelled obviously the end of season awards we have still given out player of the year went to Ronaldo you know we talked about on this podcast a few times there were shouts for Fred shouts for De Gea I think in the end because of his finish to the season he had to get it Ronaldo he did deserve it I still have reservations about his kind of all-round play about how he may have disrupted a kind of happy club but you can't argue with the amount of goals that Ronaldo scored for us this year Um, and in fact as we're talking he scored two for Portugal tonight as well Uh, so yeah he's still hitting him in there over there and he is staying you know a few months ago a lot of people were thinking is he going to stay is he going to be happy not to be in the Champions League but he's staying he will be here next season and it's we'll see we'll see there's going to be a big question about captaincy going out there as well and maybe he's looking to be getting that captain's armband and changing the whole dynamic of what's going on over there and yeah he is one of the few who deserves credit from the season you know Maguire definitely doesn't I've seen him play for England the other day and uh, he had an alright game but yeah 
captain material he is not as we've said time and time again on this De Gea again took the players player of the season fourth fourth time fourth time for him and in fact yeah that was That's Ronaldo's fourth time getting uh, kind of fans player of the year he's joined with De Gea who'd also had that award four times so yeah that's crazy De Gea's had our players player of the year for the fourth time had also been fans player of the year four times so yeah you know integrally linked with us and again is somebody who may have a shout out for being our captain but I never thought he was a good captain he's not vocal enough he's not enough of a leader on the pitch Uh, so yeah he is that shout there though Ronaldo also got goal of the season that kind of smasher against Spurs, part of that hat-trick over there. I think, yeah, I think that is the right choice over there. It was interesting, yeah, I actually. I was just looking at, you know, let me test you both. Do either of you remember who were our fans player and players player of the year last year? Last year, fans player. Bruno, Bruno, fans player of the year. Yeah, surely. And then players player. Uh All right, you're right with Bruno. He was the fans' well, player of the year. Uh, Go on, yeah, Luke, Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw. No, you're right, Luke Shaw. Yeah, well done, man. Yeah. And yeah, look, these were the players who had great years the year before, but have just let us down week in, week out this year. And they're the ones that you still hope can come back and show a different level than what we've seen this year. You know, there's others that you've kind of given up on. But yeah, there is the likes of Shaw, Bruno, Rashford, Maguire that we hope can come back and show us that the players that were two years ago and that this year was just forgotten about. But yeah, those were the two last year, Bruno and Shaw. Uh, So yeah, we'll Well, see where we go there. Ronaldo wants to be the leader, you know, the all-time scorer of the Europa League next season anyway. (laughs) Yeah, he's not got that award. So yeah, that's one he can still go for. That's what he wants to stay for. (laughs) But yeah, a question for you both. In, In a terrible, terrible season, we're still going to have what has been your highlight of the year. I know, you know, it's difficult. There's not been many, but uh, Ed, I'll start with you. What was your highlight of the season? Yeah, well, uh, my sarcastic one was full time at uh, Crystal Palace at the end of the season, but it's probably one of Ronaldo. I think the Norwich hat trick. Uh-huh. Ronaldo's right. Norwich hat trick. Yeah. yeah. All, yeah. all the Spurs one. One of his hat tricks. All right, yeah. one of Ronaldo's hat tricks. Fair enough. Yeah. Does burden me to say because I don't like the guy and. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of agreed that he's, he's perhaps caused more disruption than he's, he's helped, uh, you know, solved more, it caused more issues than he's solved uh, since his arrival. But, you know, good on him. He's banged the goals in, which is exactly what you want him to do. And uh, yeah, it, it is interesting that, as I say, the two players who won our awards, Ronaldo and De Gea, still opinions are so split on both of them, on their futures, on where they're at. And, but they are the two who've won our two awards and deservedly so. You can't really say they don't deserve it, but there is still big debates about whether either of them uh, should be here and should have that kind of integral part of our team. But I think they both will do next season. But anyway, yeah. Jamie, what's your highlight of this season? Uh, Ronaldo fanboy hat on <laughs> the hat trick against... Spurs, and I just think he's been phenomenal this season. I mean, to return the amount of goals he ha- that he has in a team that just at times <laughs> can't even pass the ball to each other is is unbelievable. But a uh, kind of special shout out actually to the last minute winner against West Ham, uh-huh. Marcus Rashford. I was yeah. at, just 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 because I was at the game and oh, yeah. the atmosphere still around the club was actually still not bad, and and we were still obviously in multiple competitions at that point we were still well in the fight for the top four and that kind of result made you think right we can actually push on a bit here and and do something so it was that that was that was a good moment the last minute winner but it's just difficult isn't it just and how bad the season's been it's, it's I mean look it, it's difficult to pick anything if we think back to the start of the season the season started amazingly better than anyone <laughs> could have thought and like you yeah, know I did throw this out in the true. group and uh, I think it was Alex who obviously mentioned the uh, Leeds opening day of the season where we absolutely I mean, annihilated them and then there was Ronaldo's debut where we hammered Newcastle two goals for him on his debut you know that was amazing at that point we thought we were going to be winning the league and uh, you know things went from there you know we also had uh, I think Goshwin may have mentioned yeah Leeds away 
that will spank them away. You know, after all this time not having played at Ellen Low Road with fans to absolutely smash them, you know, the away goers, that was an absolute highlight for going over there. And, uh, you know, that's the small small silver lining of Leeds staying up is that, yeah, they yeah. were at least an easy <laughs> six points for us. Six points next season, Whether yeah. there will be next season, we shall see. But, yeah, beating them twice after a long time, you know, not having the fans to see for what we use traditionally one of our big games. You know, these were like great times at that point. Personally, for me, I also still think that Carrick three-game period was a beautiful <laughs> that Carrick era will go down in history you know greatest Manchester United manager ever statistically but yeah you know we we beat Arsenal and we thought we're back in that top four race yeah he beat Villarreal away and we never win away in Spain in the Champions League we finished top of the Champions League group and like I said that Carrick three game kind of was the one night I thought our season is back on track we forget that the bad times and yeah we're going to be back on track obviously it didn't go that way but yeah for me I'd like to pick out Carrick's three matches in charge and uh, yeah we be interesting to see where he goes there um, but yeah look it's obviously been an awful season to try and pick out highlights is not easy at all but yeah there was still some kind of positives to it uh, you know I know we had that discussion a month or so ago about is this the worst season ever and at the time I was still debating it but I think in the end it is it it's- is for sure in like yeah, you know you know absolutely when you only get into the Europa League by Brighton winning it's got to be the worst season worst yeah. season ever yeah yeah exactly especially you know that end just an absolute damp squib towards the end uh, before we round up I do want to give a shout out to our sponsors Manscaped who will be sponsoring us yeah throughout the summer thanks to them uh, you know we always get the blurbs from them and we read them out over here so this one this one's all about Father's Day around the corner so yeah uh, gentlemen oh, Father's <laughs> Day is just well I will say right it's a gentleman Father's Day is just around the corner our friends at Manscaped Manscaped are here to ensure that all the father figures out there are looking daddy material. Uh, Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature lawnmower, is the perfect bundle to tackle any old man hair from head to toe. Uh, I have to say that my dad would not be impressed if I bought him a Manscaped package. He would be like, what on earth do you expect me to do with this? Um, But yeah, anyway. Anybody out there, you want to buy something for your dads or, yeah, kids out there listening, you want to get something, head over to manscaped.com. United <laughs> Hour 20 will get you 20% off and free shipping. I mean, yeah, you tell me, would your dads like to get a Manscaped package? No. <laughs> no. As a father, I wouldn't either. <laughs> well, you've got one, like, you've got uh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, but not as a present. I'd buy it for myself. I mean, that's not to say it's not quality product. So, you know, if you want to buy one, definitely buy one. Just maybe, maybe you know, a, a, a Father's Day present to yourself, gents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's more like it, yeah. Yeah, I think that is it. A Father's Day present to yourself. Uh, but yeah, check it out. Manscaped.com, United Hour 20 for 20% off. Hopefully they don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, they get their plug in. That's our contractual uh, 60 seconds of Manscaped done there. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, we have about a month to the start of pre-season. We've only actually got three pre-season games uh, penciled in at the moment, but I think probably more will be added as we go along. Uh, but we actually kick off pre-season in Bangkok and we're playing Liverpool um, mm. on the 12th of July. And then we head off to Australia for a couple of matches. But yeah, that's where our pre-season is at. Eric Ten Hag has got a month to get things in kind of place before that. You'd hope we do have a few kind of new names in to be joining us on pre-season but yeah that is the one good thing that he's already in the job he's already doing some work there getting things in place you know we I did mention on the last podcast that was a big negative about some of our other managers coming in late it's it's cancelled some uh some pre-season because we were going to play Preston and he cancelled that for to have more time with the squad I think all right that's your local team isn't it Ed uh sort of Morgan's my local team but Preston's probably the the furthest in the pyramid local team yeah 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 all right so yeah. you, you and... thought that might have been one to get down and see our boys play yeah uh, yeah, yeah but yeah i assume I'd... there will be some more like i say three games would be like our shortest pre-season ever so i'm assuming some more matches will be added in there soonish um but yeah there, it is in a way it's positive that there isn't the world cup because it gives him 
chance to work with the More players time, to yeah. see what's going on, work on it. Otherwise, it does risk disrupt a summer where the new manager's coming in. So, yeah, on that side, you can say it is a kind of good thing. Um, but, yeah, we're just hoping, like I say, to see who's in, to see who's out. We will be coming back, recording regularly throughout this summer with our thoughts over there. Uh, we will try and, yeah, stay some news as well on the women's side, seeing what's going on under the youth. We'll definitely still be back here. We will not abandon you, our loyal listeners. Uh, I do want to say thanks to all our guys who've supported us over on Patreon. I did finally do the draw for our Patreon listeners, and Dave Knight from Sale was the one who came out the hat. You will be getting a Manscaped package. So well done to him. And yeah, if you want to join our Patreon subscribers, do head over to Patreon, and uh, we'll see. We'll definitely be giving out some other prizes over there because, yeah, we really appreciate the support from those guys over there. Uh, Did also get uh, reminded us on Red Cafe that I'd promised a prize for our Fantasy Football League. And um, it was one of our Red Cafe guys who's won it in the end. Uh, it's at FPL Matthew and uh, Matt Jones over there will be getting a treble beer coaster set. Uh, so I do need to get these things in the post when I get round to it and I will do. But yeah, that's at Sparky Rewabon on a Red Cafe. And uh, I actually had no idea what that name meant. But uh, recently spent half term in just not far from Wales and realised that Rewa Bon is a town in Wales and it's where Mark Hughes is from. So that's why, yeah, <laughs> that's that's the name. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. That's why his name's Sparky Rewa Bon. It's a town in Wales over there. I've probably pronounced it completely wrong, I'm sure. But yeah, that's a town in Wales that I actually passed through, but I had no idea where there. But yeah, well done to uh, Sparky Rewa Bon there, won our fantasy league and we'll get a prize there. We will do the same again next season. So yeah, keep listening more prizes and stuff like that we'll get out and uh yeah thanks to all the guys who've listened supported us we get plenty of like traction on twitter this year which is great but yeah we'll keep coming back to you this summer and appreciate all the likes retweets and that kind of thing uh unless you two guys have anything to add i think that's it for our end of season kind of roundup i do you've forgotten go on Who's your Scott McTominay award for being Scott McTominay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I'd, uh, I'm not sure. How how did Scott McTominay play in that playoff, Jamie? I didn't watch not it. Not very well. Not very well. Not very well. So you're saying he doesn't get the Scott McTominay award for being Scott McTominay? No, this year's Scott McTominay award goes to Fred. Fred deserves yeah, an award this year for being one of our few players who came out. Like I said, De Gea got an award, Ronaldo. The only other player who I think deserves a bit of kudos from this season is Fred. Yeah, okay, so, so Fred yeah. is our Scott McTominay this season. Yeah, Scott gets yeah, the Scott definitely. McTominay award for this season for we trying hard. I mean, I love him a bit and I'd love to defend him, but no, <laughs> was, poor, was poor on Wednesday. Uh, to be honest, I, I kind of said it before, a few players played like they need a break and he just looks like he needs a break He's for a couple of, the, of weeks. One of the break, but we'll, we'll agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> but yeah, good shout out for that one, Ed. The Scott McTominay Award, and we've given it to Fred. We'll uh, do that one yeah. for as long as I'm on the pod. We'll do that one for as long as I'm in this group. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And yeah, look, that rounds us up. Scott McTominay Award to Fred. And uh, yeah, we will be back in a week or so or something like that. We'll see where we're at, what's going on with the transfer news, internationals. And yeah, there's plenty of other stuff always to talk about about Manchester United. But yeah, that's it from us for now. Good night from me. Night trips. Yeah, good night. All right. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.